1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 are chapters that we know are about the gifts of the Spirit. Um, Chapter 12, I think, well, both of them, chapter 12 and 14, deal pretty heavily with the gifts, but chapter 12 is the part I want to talk about today. And... um, In between chapter 12 and chapter 14 is chapter 13. It's amazing what you can learn in church. How much revelatory anointing comes forth from whoever is sharing up here. Amen. I praise the Lord that that black spot is gone. Chapter 13 is known as the love chapter. At the end of the chapter 12, it says, uh, covet earnestly the best gifts. Yet I show you a more excellent way. Some people have interpreted that to mean, and I understand that it sounds like that Chapter 12 about the gifts of the Spirit. And then rolls into the last verse saying, covet earnestly the best gift, but but let me show you the most excellent way. I've looked at like 20 different translations and they all pretty much sound to where you might interpret that to mean that the love chapter is more important. Love is more important than the gifts. Love is what counts. It's the best way. Except for the fact that it starts off with covet earnestly. Desire the best gifts. Desire to be used of God with the best gifts. And then it says, let me show you the most excellent way. I'm going to say, because of the first verse that comes after chapter 13 and verse 14, says desire the best gifts or seek after the best gifts as well. That what that means there is covet earnestly the best gifts, but let me show you the right way to do it. By love. You see, we can desire to be used of God for other reasons. But if we do, according to 1 Corinthians 13, we are nothing. First Corinthians, without love. But what is love if you can't help people that you love? And that's what the gifts of the Spirit are for. Is to help people. And so, Jesus says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To set at liberty those that are bruised. To heal the brokenhearted, to open the prison doors, to open the blind eyes, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Love is the way to go. And that, I heard uh, Dick Rubin talk about the tunic that the priest wore, the high priest wore. 
in the tunic that at the bottom had bells and pomegranates hanging around it. The bell, and then a pomegranate, a bell, and then a pomegranate. Without the pomegranate, which would be the fruit of the Spirit, symbolic of the fruit of the Spirit, the bells would just hit each other and make this clanging sound that was not good to the ear. And that's what 1 Corinthians 13 says, if I have the you know, the gifts of the Spirit, if I speak with tongues as men and of angels, it's nothing but a sounding, clanging, cymbal sound. But if you put that pomegranate between the bells, the bell still makes a bell sound, but it's a soft, sweet sound. And so without the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace... The gifts of the Spirit is just a, a, a noisy, clanging sound. But that's not to say that love is a, it substitutes for the gift of the Spirit. He also had the bell. So it's the bell, the pomegranate, the bell, the pomegranate. Just like chapter 12 is about the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 13 is the love of God. And chapter 14, the gifts of, you have a, the bell, the pomegranate, and the bell. So the gifts of the Spirit, the fact that it says, covet earnestly the best gifts, that is not undone by saying, and let me show you the most excellent way or the more excellent way. It is un- not undone by that, especially, Paul, just in case anybody gets mixed up there, he starts off with chapter 14 with the same theme as covet earnestly the best gifts. Now there's an attitude that one is needed. Uh, Margot talked about an attitude change, an attitude focus. In chapter 12, it starts with an attitude change. There are two other chapters in the Bible that are most frequently re- referred to when it talks about the gifts of the Spirit, which is Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And Romans, the 12th chapter. And there's an attitude. An attitude. When Jesus says in Philippians 2, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So there's an attitude. And it says this, who... Let this attitude be in Christ Jesus, who, though he was... God incarnate, immorphate, or in the form of God, did not grasp to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, King James, other, most other translations says, but he emptied himself. What did he empty himself of? All the rights of God. Emptied himself and became a man, humbled himself. So this first attitude we see there is humility, humbling oneself. That's part of the love of the Spirit. That's part of the love of God. It's revealed in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I spoke like a child, understood like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, 
as a child, I would see darkly. But then when I see him face to face. So an attitude of humility is like seeing that you are humble like a child, but also children think they know everything. You know, the smartest person in the world is a 16-year-old. And it, it can vary from 13 to 19. That sounds like teenagers, doesn't it? I apologize to you teenagers. <laughs> but I was one. And you just think you know all the answers. And then when you get to about 21, you start figuring out you don't have all the answers. <laughs> and maybe... By the time you get to be, you know, 30, 35, you begin to really know you don't have all the answers. And that you see through a glass darkly. So he humbled himself. And he says, let this attitude be in you. The word attitude means willingly or your will. Your will. Your attitude reflects where your will is. Look up the word attitude in the dictionary. And it says your willingness. Attitude doesn't necessarily mean a good one. An attitude is an attitude. Matter of fact, I imagine some of you have told your children at one time or another, you got a bad attitude. See, it's what you're willing to do. Let this attitude be in you which was in Christ Jesus. There is a theme that runs through. And I want to talk about this theme that is the beginning point of the proper way. The beginning point of being used of God with the gifts of the Spirit. The right way. Okay. Now I'm not going to go through the love chapter and do it. I'm going to show that before the love chapter it says that. So we'll start with 1 Corinthians 12. Now we're not going to, we're going to talk about some of the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to, but we're not going to talk about in detail about these gifts. We'll do that later. Okay. But right now I just want to talk about an attitude. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts... Uh, sometimes the word gifts is the Greek word charisma. Sometimes that's where charismatics come from because they believe in the gifts of the Spirit. This particular one means uh, pneuma. It's one word, spiritual gifts. It would be more accurately trained, spirituals. This is less concerning pneuma. That is breath or air. But it's talking about the breath of God. It's talking about the, the God breathed on. It means breathed on. Breath breathed on. Let, now concerning God breathing on you and in you. Brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. 
you know, they used to, the, the Jews, one of the said the things they said about Jesus was, cursed is he that's hung on a tree. But they did not understand, but he was cursed with our cursed. But he was not accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Ghost. The purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is to proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Now there are diversities of gifts. Now we're going to go into some attitudes. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations. They use this word, Paul uses this word difference, 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 difference. In both 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, and Romans 12. There are differences of administrations. That word administration simply means ministries. The word ministries. How many, how many ministers do we have in here, by the way? Raise your hand if you're a minister. All right, for those that didn't raise your hand, I, I'm going to be praying for you. Because the word ministers means servants. And you know, I, I, I don't like the title for pastors a minister. Because the people that say this is my minister, I don't, I don't mind what it really means. I just don't mind the way they mean it. Because they think that means a pastor. Well, I should be a minister of God because I'm a saint. All of you are saints. If you're not, we want to stop and pray for you right now to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. But you are saints. If you're a saint, you are called by God to be a minister, to be a servant. Right? So it says there are differences of serving, but it's the same Lord. Why is this repeated over and over and over again? It's because one of the discoveries, when you begin to discover, and I hope that you already have, what your calling of God is in your life, and what uh, what's, uh, breaths of God, what gifts of God you have to serve. And I don't know if you have ever said this, but I've said it way too many times. As many, as many times as I just can't tell you. And I, I can't begin to tell you how many more times I'm going to say it. Boy, are you listening to me or is, it just wasn't funny? <laughs> One of those things that I say is it seems like to me that people in the church are from a different planet than I am. <laughs> now that's generalization, but I could say that about another individual. So, so we are we from the same planet? You know, we just don't we just don't talk alike. We don't think alike. We're not alike. And that's what God says. We aren't alike. We are all, we, there's sameness in our life. But there's differences. We are different. If you have, you have 
gifts and callings of God that has you look at life from a different perspective. And if you don't understand what God is saying about the right attitude, then you will become judgmental of other people that have other gifts. Because you may focus on one thing more than others because God made you that way. That's what Ern Baxter used to say. You know, when God made the loaf, that he's the loaf, he passed out pieces of the loaf. You know, you're not the loaf. You're only pieces of the loaf. Hello? And you have to appreciate the fact that another person may not see it the way that you see it. And maybe it's because they need more understanding, more knowledge, but it might be because they have different gifts than you and they're going to have that. So that's this attitude that I want to talk about. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. The chapter that focuses more on the ministry gifts the one that focuses is Ephesians the fourth chapter and one of the things that starts off in Ephesians fourth chapter is Paul says I therefore the prisoner of the Lord I be, uh, beseech you that you walk worthy of the calling with which you are called can you be worthy <laughs> if you're not worthy then you have no entrance into the presence of God. If you think you're worthy because of things that you've done, you have no entrance into the presence of God. The only way that you are worthy is by believing in Jesus Christ. That your garment has been washed clean by his precious blood. That he has died on the cross for your sins. And he was made sin who knew no sin. That we might be the righteousness of God in him. Only in him are we worthy. But this is talking about walking worthy. The only way you can walk worthy is to know that you are only worthy in him. That's one of the first attitudes. And actually the first attitude we're going to find out. When Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Now, there are three names that Jesus went by. And the main, main names. He's got a slew of names. But three, the Lord, Jesus Christ. Jesus, my Savior. Jesus. He's my Savior. Christ, the anointed one by the Holy Ghost. He's the anointed one without measure. Lord, curious, curious. It means uh, in the Old Testament, Adonai, sovereign God. Doesn't mean master like we think it means. The word master is in the, sometimes translated in the Bible. It's a different Greek word than this, but this word curious, which means sovereign God. Romans 10 says, If you believe that Jesus has been raised from the dead and you confess him to be your Lord, 
you shall be saved. Interesting. Confess him to be your curious sovereign God and you shall be saved by Jesus salvation sozo. You're saved by the Savior, but we get saved by confessing that he's our Lord. So it says that starts off with confessing him to be Lord in this chapter. Differences of adverse, let's go back please. Differences, thanks for being on top of that though, I appreciate that. Differences of administration, ministries. The place that talks mostly about ministry is Ephesians 4th chapter. And it starts off with, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation with which you are called. That's the chapter start and it goes into talking about the gifts. But it doesn't talk about the gifts of the spirit per se. It talks about the gifts of Jesus Christ. And he says, wherefore he saith, and I'm going to skip some of this chapter. We're going to go back and look at it another time, another day. But it starts off, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. You, in order to minister in the gifts of the spirit, if you want the right attitude, if you want to be used of God the right way, you have to see that you are the prisoner of the Lord. And if you have any doubts in that, that Paul was meaning that when he said that, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. Later on in the chapter, he says, when Jesus Christ ascended up on high, he gave gifts unto men. He led captivity captive. You know what that means? You were the prisoner of the devil. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are the prisoner of the devil, whether you like it or not. But if you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord, you are the prisoner of God. But he wants an attitude up here. That's why he says in the beginnings of Romans 12, he says, present your body an offering to God. So anyway, in Ephesians 4, it's talking, there are diverse differences of ministries. Now, there, it talks about ministries in chapter 12 as well, but the major, major place is Ephesians 4. So Ephesians 4 is talking about the gifts of the Spirit, but the gifts that Jesus Christ himself dispensed to the church. All right? Next verse. There are diversities of operations. This word is, in the operations, it's a, it's a derivative from the Greek word energio. Energio, guess get what we get, English word we get from energio. Energy. Comes actually, the root word is ergon. We get the word ergonomics from the word energy. And though it will talk about this a little bit in chapter 12, the chapter that most is devoted to these gifts, there are diversities of energies. Energy, you know, is I studied in uh, electricity. Uh, you wouldn't know it by what I know, but I studied electricity in the Navy. You know what an EMF means? 
What, what does EMF mean? Electra, electric, electric, or electromotive force, EMF. And what are we so scared of today? If you watch the news, what, is, what are people so afraid of? An EMP. An electric motive force explosion that would, pulsation that would shut off all of our electricity and our ability to use electricity. Energy is power, but it's also force. The gifts that mostly is talked about in the Bible is in Romans 12. There are seven motive gifts. It moves you. You know, it moves you. There are differences in things that move you, motivate you, energize you. But it's the same God that worketh all in all. That's another thing. You know, when I say, you know, I don't, what planet are they from? And you guys know the story about the pastor that goes home. Oh, I ruined it already. About the guy that goes home and he's claiming about the congregation and how they don't, they don't like him and he doesn't like them. And he's never going back to this church. And his wife says, Oh, yes, you will. And he says, give me one good reason. She says, I'll give you two good reasons. You're a bigger man than this. And you're also the pastor. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, if you look through the eyes of judging others by yourself, what Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. For with that judgment you judge, you shall be judged. It's the same thing in the New Testament. In, in, uh, uh, the, the epistles where it says you reap what you sow. But this is talking about the gifts of what moves you. And that's mostly in Romans 12, the seven motive gifts. But it is the same God which worketh all in all. Next verse. But the manifestation of the Spirit. Now the manifestation. People know the nine gifts of the Spirit. You know, just in case you don't know, I'm going to going to read them in just a minute. The nine gifts of the spirit is what is manifested in the church, in the body. When we are gathered together, wherever two are gathered together in his name, there can be a manifestation of the nine gifts of the spirit falls into three categories. The vocal gifts. The uh, supernatural gifts as far as discerning a spirit and word of knowledge, word of wisdom. And then power gifts. We'll talk about that. The main place it talks about those is in this chapter right here. So you got three things. Ministry gifts, Ephesians 4. You got operations or energy gifts, motive gifts, Romans 12. And you got the manifestational gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. Now we're going to go on and we're going to see more about this attitude. It's already dealt with it. You may have a gift. It's the same God. All right. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's the way it says it in uh, Ephesians 4. Okay. 
Next verse. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, and by the same, by the same Spirit. Often wisdom and knowledge works together, but we're not going to be talking about these particular, particular ones right now. To another faith. That means everybody has the gift of faith. If you have faith, it's a gift from God. That's what it says in Romans 12. How God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Okay, but this one here means special faith. Another special faith. Power of faith by the same spirit. To another the gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another divers kinds of tongues. And I firmly believe that these are special tongues that have to re- that require an interpretation interpretation of tongues but is not referring to the prayer language tongues I talked about that last time to another diverse kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues but all these worketh that one and self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he wills I'm not going to spend too much time for this. This sounds so ridiculous that it sounds like it just can't possibly be true. But there's a ministry called the Way Ministry. Some of you know somebody that was part of the Way Ministry. Leaders Victor Paul Werewolf. And the things that people, the Kool-Aid that people will drink is just beyond my imagination. Because he teaches this. And this, most cults are based upon a central figure that has to tell you what the truth is. Okay? And you have to fall in line. But he actually teaches. This verse says, All these worketh that one in self same spirit, dividing severally to every man. As he wills, that he, in this verse, is Victor Paul Werewolf. Man, you'd have to drink like 50 gallons of Kool-Aid to buy this. (laughs) You know what? We know where the term drinking the Kool-Aid comes from? From another cult. Yeah, Jones. Jones. Where they drank Kool-Aid to kill and kill themselves. Poison themselves. But you know who he is? It's the Holy Spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. It isn't Victor Paul Werewolf or anybody else. It's the Holy Ghost. And he divides severally as he will, as God will. The Spirit is God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He divides severally as he wills. The Holy Spirit. Next verse. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. We are the body of Christ. For by one Spirit... Are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, 
and have been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. You, you see the redundancy here? Why? Because we're kind of thick up here sometimes. and We just don't get it. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. See, there's, there's, there's also the other way, it was a false humility. False humility is like saying, oh, I'm no good. You know, you know the, what is it, Igor? Woe is me. Eeyore, excuse me. Igor, Igor, Igor is in Frankenstein, Frankenstein, I mean. Son of Frankenstein. Igor. Igor. Ehor. Ehor. Well, I'm getting myself deeper and deeper in trouble here. Eor. Yeah. Oh, woe is me. You know. I am no good. I am worthless. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Rhetorical question. And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? If the whole body was the hearing, where would the smelling? See, every member is important. You are an important member of the body and to say, well, I'm not important because I'm not, I don't do this or I don't do that or I don't do. That's, that is just so wrong. And it's going to show how wrong it is in a minute. But you are needed to function in the gifts, both ministry and motive, energy wise. And manifestational wise, you are important. And if you say, oh, I'm, because I don't have this function or that function. That's false humility. Every member is important. If she's important for you to search, seek God, what is the gifts that God has given you? They may seem small to you. But it's the small things that count. Hello? If the whole body was the hearing, where would the smelling? Next verse. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it pleases him. And you can, if I am totally convinced that if you give yourself, we sang this song last week. Everlasting. And there's a line in the song that has stirred me. And the line says this. Uh, My purpose remains. That with the art of losing myself. I will give you praise. And, the, and, the, and I think that maybe he was just using some language, you know, just to sound good. Or maybe he really knew what the word art meant, but the art means creating from the imagination 
something beautiful. That's what art should be. He says, the art of giving myself. Why is giving yourself to God an art? Because in doing so, you are creating with your creativity, praise and worship to God and making him beautiful. I mean, he's already beautiful. But the art of losing yourself, you have to lose yourself. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, didn't think of himself, didn't to, to grasp to be with God, but emptied himself of all of his rights as God. The art of losing yourself in order to make God beautiful you have to, he must increase while you must decrease. The art of losing yourself. And it has to, you have to realize that what God has gifted you to do in the body of Christ, it is as it pleases him. Hello? Right there. As it hath pleased him. Next verse. And if they were all one member, where would the body? If we were all the same thing, how could we be the body? And how can we do what a body is supposed to do? But now are they many members? Redundancy is almost painful. But it's because we lose track of this. We, We don't empty ourselves of our rights. And so we don't give ourselves. We don't present ourselves an offering and a sacrifice to God. And now there are many members yet, but one body. Next verse. And the eye can, and the eye cannot say unto the hand. Now, while ago, you think he's using the same references, but this is not so. While ago, in, in verses before, it says, if the foot says I am not part of the body because I am not the hand. See, it's saying, I am no, of no value here. I'm no value to the body of Christ because I'm just a foot. Well, it's the foot that's going to crush Satan's head. Well, I'm, just, I'm just this or I'm just that. I'm, no, I'm nobody. Woe is me. But on this time, it's reversing here. Because it says, if the eye... The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of you because I'm the eye. I see everything. I don't need you. Do you, you see that? It's funny though, but if you see, for Jesus was moved by compassion. The motive gifts that are in Romans 12 should be moved by compassion. If you are moved by compassion, you see needs. But if you don't have hands to touch those needs, then what in the world are you going to do about it? Hello? You can't do anything about it if you don't have hands. If you don't have arms, if you don't have legs. If you, you know, you cannot do. Now, there are people who have handicaps that do amazing things without parts of the body. Amazing things. 
And I'm, I'm very impressed with how some of them uh, can do what they do. But what it's saying here, to function as the body is supposed to function, we, are re- we have to realize that just because we think we're important, that the other people aren't. Well, here again, you ha- lack humility. Hello? In Romans 12, it starts off, not only present your body a living sacrifice, be not conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, but it goes right in this. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. But to think soberly as according, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So here the eye is thinking too highly of itself as it ought to think. I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet. If you don't have feet it can't take you where the head will go. I have no need of thee or you. Next verse. No, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. If you are, according to man, the least in the body of Christ, you are the most necessary. According to this verse of scripture. You follow that? You are more necessary. The least one. That's why God sent to the least. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the king. Poor in spirit means you're humble. That's why the Bible says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. The least member. If you think, oh, I don't have anything to offer, then you may have be the most important. It's the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's the little things that keep the church from being what it's supposed to be. And it says much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble. You have such power in your gift. That you may think you're the most insignificant person in the church. But you have the power. See, a while ago it was talking about looking the other way around. So it says, we have need of one another. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Next verse. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. In other words, we as members of the body should look upon one another more highly. When you start thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think, It doesn't mean we are raised together in Christ in heavenly places. That's about as high as you can go. It isn't talking about thinking of yourself in that regard. It's talking about thinking of yourself in the body of Christ. And 
you begin to see all of it. I'm convinced that when Paul says, I, Paul, chief among sinners, chief of sinners above all, uh, below all the other saints. Wow. I'm convinced that's kind of the attitude he wants all of us to have. Chief among sinners. In other words, I needed God more than anybody else. Because I'm a sinner. You know, I, I, I have that attitude pretty easily. Because I of what God had taken me from. He's taken me out of the pit. And set me upon the solid ground. My wife, on the other hand, has never done anything like that, that I've done. And yet she knows that the forgiveness in her life is as great as the forgiveness of my life. You know, what happens is, you know, it says that it's harder for a rich man to enter to the kingdom of heaven than it is for a a camel to pass through an eye of a needle. I used to think that was because uh, I had heard that the eye of the needle was a little tiny gate on the back of the wall in Jerusalem. And to get a camel through, you had to take everything it's loaded on it off, and you had to get it down on its knees and then scoot it through that, that little doorway. And it was next impossible. I mean, it really took a lot of work to get that camel through the eye of the needle. But in my younger says, no, he really meant the eye of a needle. A real needle, a real eye. And when the disciples heard that, it's harder for a rich man to enter into the eye uh, a camel go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. They said that, well, that's impossible. And Jesus says, yeah, the things that are impossible with God, with men, are possible with God. So it's not impossible. It just it takes God to do it. Why is that? Why is it harder for a rich man than it is because see he has no need of God that's what he that's the temptation so it's harder for God to show him his need in the same regards it's, it's harder for uh, a righteous person you know someone a good person it's harder for a good person it's as hard for a good person to enter into the kingdom of God as it is for a rich person. It's harder for anybody that thinks, I don't, I don't have any need of God. So in some respects, when somebody has, is, is good, as far as what the world calls good, when somebody's good like that, they don't see, it's hard for them to see that they have need of God. Just like the rich man. And the body of Christ functions in the same way. You know, if you 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 think you're hot potatoes, then you have no need of God. 
You know, you have no need of being a member in the body of Christ. Because you're hot stuff to start with. Humility is the first and foremost attitude to be able to present your body a living sacrifice, to be like Christ. First, first attitude. We'll talk about more attitudes later, but we'll stop right there. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We come to you, Heavenly Father. With humility, saying we have nothing apart from Christ. We have no life without him. It was easy for me to see that. And yet I see that. It should have been harder for my wife to see that for herself. But... She saw that she has need of you just as much as I do. Lord, may we see with our eyes that we are nothing apart from you. But in you, we are valuable. In your body, in you, in Christ, the lowliest of the low are valuable and should be raised to the highest level. In esteem. Let us esteem, value one another more than ourselves. What a task before. It requires the same attitude that was in Jesus Christ when he came down from heaven emptied himself and humbled himself as a servant, washed the disciples' feet, humbled himself even unto the death of the cross. That's what is required of us, to take up his cross and follow you. So in Jesus' name, May we rise to the occasion of the body of Christ. That we henceforth be not children. But we rise to adulthood in the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We worship you. And we honor you, we esteem you. Thank you, God. We bow our knee to you, proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Christ. Christ.